Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. It feels a little crazy to get on this platform to talk about Teen Mom in the midst of this country burning to the ground. Um, But, I mean, here we are before we get started. I, of course, am going to use this platform to, first and foremost, say that Black Lives Matter. Black Lives always matter. Uh, We need to make sure Black Lives Matter. I just want to say it a million times, Black Lives Matter. We want to say justice for George, George Floyd. I hope to see the three officers who have not yet been charged with murder to also be charged with murder. I want to say that while all cops may not be bad, that any cop that stands around and says nothing in the face of corruption and injustice is a bad cop. I saw a tweet that said something like, if you have two bad cops, but 98 cops sit around and cover up and stay silent, then you have 100 bad cops. And I believe in that. I wholeheartedly believe in that. I believe we must destroy the thin blue line. We must destroy the blue wall of silence. Um, That is the only way that we will see justice in this country, if we will see real systematic change. I don't know, guys. I also want to remind everyone that riots are the language of the unheard, that riots are a result of injustice. Riots are a result of peaceful peaceful protests being ignored. Riots are, I mean, the only way to be heard. We're all talking about George Floyd because of the riots. And if there had been no riots, we probably would have already moved on. So I, to the people rioting, I say, do what you need to do, you know? Do what you need to do. If this offends you, I'll be honest, I don't really care. (laughs) I have always felt the need to speak my mind. I've always felt the need to make this podcast a platform for my views. If that bothers you, then okay. Everybody has the right to be annoyed and offended and bothered by my views. And if that's you, feel free to click off. That's just that. I encourage everyone to donate, donate donate. If you are not out there fighting yourself, I understand that there's also a global pandemic still going on and coronavirus. And there are lots of reasons why people wouldn't actively be in the streets protesting. So I encourage you to protest via donations. I'm going to read some foundations that you can donate to that I've already donated to that I highly suggest everybody donate to. So there is Oh, one organization that I really care about that I've been donating to, I think for two years now, I think I maybe saw it in 2018. I don't know if I saw it earlier, but it's called the National Bailout Fund. And their goal is to um, bail out black women, specifically black mothers that are in prison. Basically, they fundraise all year so that they can do a big Mother's Day bailout. It's a really incredible organization. They've been doing a lot trying to get inmates released with from covid For people that don't know, there are so many fucking people sitting in jails pre-trial because they can't afford bail. Sometimes the bail is as little as a $500 cash bond that that nobody in their life can afford to put up. So these people just sit in jails for pretty low-level crimes. And so I highly suggest the National Bailout Fund. I donated to them again last night because they are an incredible organization that has been doing this work for a while now, and I trust and believe that their funds go to a good place. 
Okay, there is also the Brooklyn Community Bailout Fund. Once again, an established bailout fund, and they are going to try and get as many protesters uh, from Brooklyn out of jail as possible. If you guys haven't been seeing what's going down in Brooklyn and what happened last night, things really popped off. And we need to make sure that these people, these protesters who are protesting for justice, are able to get out of jail. Okay, another one I donated to is called the Unicorn Riot campaign unicorn riot um organization they are a frontline independent journalism and they are in minnesota and i highly suggest donating to them there is another minnesotan minnesotan i don't know if that's how you say it organization called reclaim the block they are organizers donate to them black visions that's another minnesota charity donate to them and then of course the minnesota bailout fund I think, what was it, the M Minnesota Freedom Fund, I think they call it. So yeah, I highly suggest you donate to these or any other anti-racist organization. Cheyenne has been posting a ton of stuff to donate to. I want to bring those up. Hold on. Okay, one that I think is very, very special and important is it's called the Loveland Foundation. Sorry, the Loveland Foundation, Inc. And it's Therapy Fund for Black Women and Girls. Very important. Of course, you can also donate to the official George George Floyd Memorial. I've seen they've raised millions of dollars. That's really incredible. So yeah, I definitely encourage everybody to donate. I encourage you to use your voice. I've seen a lot of comments like, well, I'm not going to post because who wants to hear from me? Who cares what my thoughts are? I'm just a white lady. Like, I don't want to look like I'm trying to be fake woke. I don't I don't know. I've seen a lot of this and I will say it's not it's not a frame of mind I can really wrap my head around because I think it's just so different from how my loud mouth know-it-allness operates. But I do want to say that, you know, the more voices that yell together, the louder the scream, right? So I know that it feels like, well, why would I even post? It doesn't make a difference. And I... I just don't think that's true. I think the louder we all yell in unison, the harder it is to ignore. I really do believe that. And I just want to remind everyone that, like, there's a reason that the the battle cry is no justice, no peace. Like, and I just want people that are being like, well, why the riots? Why is all this happening? To really sit with the phrase no justice, no peace and really think about what that means and why people say it. And why we can't have peace if there's no justice. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It just feels very... (laughs) It feels very minor to sit here and talk about Team Mom in these times. You know? But I also understand that this is what podcasts are for. So, yeah. It's also my birthday right now. (laughs) That's fun, right? It's my birthday today. I'm recording this on Saturday, May 30th. I'm 32 years old. Isn't that crazy? Wow, I can't believe I'm 32 years old. It feels crazy. So, I don't know. Let's get on with Teen Mom. Remember, no justice, no peace. Black Lives Matter. Oh, and one other thing. I want to say that I am really proud. And Is proud the right word? I'm really humbled. I think humbled is a better word. I'm really humbled to have cultivated the type of audience that I know that I can get up here 
and humbled is a much better word than proud in this. I'm very humbled to know that I've cultivated an audience in which I know I can put out a podcast and spend the first six full minutes talking about where to donate for freedom and anti-racist causes. I am very humbled to know that I can continuously post on my podcast Instagram feed, Black Lives Matter. I'm very humbled to know that I can post these things and I don't have to monitor my comment section. Like I posted uh, some, Cheyenne's been posting a lot and she's really been calling out the fact that she's on an all white show and she's the only cast member that's posting about George Floyd in the protests and what's going on. Uh, I will say some of the girls on Team Mom Young and Pregnant have been posting, but I think Cheyenne was mostly talking about OG, to be honest. But I really feel like I am so grateful to have an experience, have an experience, to have an audience that uh, cares like I do. I'm so grateful that I can post these things and I know that I will not be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I know that I'm not going to have to like heavily monitor the comment section and delete racist comments and moderate if people are going to be fighting. I I just feel grateful for that. I am glad to have an, a podcast, a platform, and an audience that understands that the purpose of this podcast is more than just talking about Teen Mom. Speaking of, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show, which I wanted to do. I was on a podcast this week called Showing Up with Asher Gottesman, I believe is his last name. You can just type Showing Up with Asher in the podcast feed. And I talked about my addiction and we talked about my podcast and why it's pretty special that I can do this podcast and talk about my sobriety and help people with sobriety through a Teen Mom podcast. (laughs) And I just, I feel really grateful for that. And I'm really, I'm proud to have always had a, a show that leaned political. And so when these situations come up, I don't have to fret over posting it because I don't want to alienate certain listeners and I don't want to be political and I don't want to be controversial because that's not who I am. And I would much rather have a smaller podcast that's less successful and be able to openly and honestly talk about my views, which I think I've been doing since literally day one. I do remember signing off my very first podcast saying, fuck Donald Trump. (laughs) And I just am really grateful for everybody that listens to this. And I'm really grateful for the respect that everybody that listens to this has for injustice and movements. And I'm really grateful for just all of my listeners. And I really do feel totally humbled and happy to have this platform to discuss this on. And I'm really grateful that I don't need to sit here and fret about like, oh no, will they be mad at me if I post this? Will they not? Um, Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really happy. (laughs) I know some people don't like it when I get political. So Thanks for listening anyway, I guess. <laughs> this is such a ramble. Ay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's talk about Teen Mom now, okay? So not that much happened this week in Teen Mom land. I know we had a ton of drama to talk about last week, but this week was kind of a an off week. Every Oh, Janelle. <laughs> Sorry, it just that like took me I took myself by surprise there. Janelle's decided to redo her makeup brand. Remember remember J.E. Cosmetics and her eyebrow kits, which is always a big laugh because we've all seen Janelle's eyebrows and we even we know even with makeup they usually are pretty much a mess, but I guess she's relaunching J.E. Come on. I can't speak. She's relaunching J.E. Cosmetics and she <laughs> 
She decided that she was going to get all of them. I don't know why, but all of the eyebrow palettes were shipped to her house. I posted the picture of it on um, feathers underscore pod, my Instagram account. (laughs) It's so funny. She's sitting on top like thousands of eyebrow kits and she's like, I'm going to sell them and everybody's going to get a special note, a handwritten note. And it's going to be so like, it's going to be so great. And I'm like, is Janelle going to be in charge of shipping these things? First of all, shipping anything sucks. (laughs) Shipping is like one of the hardest parts of having your own business, basically. And (laughs) like the idea of Janelle just like sitting on all these eyebrow kits and then she's going to ship them all out is so funny. If Janelle wasn't such a bad person, I would consider ordering one just for the laugh, but it's above a gag gift. (laughs) I'm always kind of like wondering how much money is too much to spend on a joke purchase. (laughs) I'm like constantly seeing things. I'm like, is that too much money to spend on this joke? And the answer usually is yes, especially if that money would be going towards a bad person, which obviously Janelle is. So don't buy her eyebrow kit just as a joke is my suggestion. Uh, Josh McKenzie, an update on them is that there is no update. She has not at least publicly backtracked yet she's still talking about the fact that she left josh and that she's not getting back with him so to that i say brava i am happy for you i hope it stays that way and i hope that we don't have to talk about them getting back together ever again although i still feel like there's a good chance they will okay let's talk about this week's episode Woo! did macy have a bad week or what (laughs) Macy. (laughs) Yikes, 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 yikes. Should we just start with Macy? I want to just start with Macy because she probably had what I would consider to be her worst episode. Honestly, I can't remember Macy having an episode like this since she, (laughs) since she followed Ryan and his family in Dallas to Florida on vacation. Do you guys remember when she did that? I think it was Dallas. Maybe it was Shelby. No, I think Shelby came later. Okay, well, Ryan had a girlfriend that I believe was Dallas, but could have been a different girlfriend. But Macy took it upon herself to follow the Edwards family, including Ryan's girlfriend, on vacation with a bunch of her friends and just like showed up there. (laughs) That was wild. I haven't thought about that in a long time. But I would say that was probably Macy's worst episode before that. And that was just before this week. And that was just kind of funny. But Macy did herself no favors this week. Also, am I the only one that noticed how drunk Macy seemed this entire episode? Like, she seemed really drunk to me in a very weird way. Like, at the very end when she's talking to Taylor and she's, like, her hair is done in this, like, weird blowout and she's wearing this dress. Like, she looks 50 years old. I don't really understand, like, what was going on with her look in this scene. And she's talking about how proud she's of Bentley. Like, she's slurring her words. Honestly, it sounds almost like she's on Xanax. I'm not really sure exactly what was going on but throughout this whole episode she seemed to be drunk she seemed to be angry it just was not a good look and I do want to say I want to preface this whole thing by saying that I talked about this a little bit before but I am a gymnastics fan in that I'm like I'm a casual gymnastics fan I never really did gymnastics except when I was like a little kid so it's a little hard for me to follow like what all the moves are and what this is worth and what this is worth but I had decided in the last couple of years that I was going to follow gymnastics outside of just watching the Olympics, which is what I always did. 
and I was going to try and become a little more of a serious gymnastics fan. And so I listen to this podcast called Gymcastic every week. I highly recommend Gymcastic. I think it's a really good podcast if you are interested in getting into gymnastics. And Gymcastic has done a lot of work talking about abuse in gymnastics and the Larry Nassar case. Now, gymnastics is a sport that's similar to wrestling in that there is a large emphasis placed on weight and appearance, right? So people that... um, are in gymnastics have to be very thin or are told they have to be very thin. They There are extreme pressures around food. Um, a lot of the reasons that the ranch got shut down, which was the United States Women's Training Center, essentially, uh, run by Marta and Bella Caroli, is because they, it kind of, Simone Biles started refusing to go there. And it came out that they were restricting food there. They used to do weigh-ins, like, Gymnastics has had a lot of issues when it comes to abuse and also eating disorders. Abuse in many forms. There's actually just a coach, uh, Maggie Haney, I think her last name is, that was just suspended for eight years for what they're calling emotional abuse of her uh, athletes. And she would do things like threaten to kill herself and just berate them and just really abuse her athletes. And gymnastics itself is going through or attempting to go through a culture change of the entire sport. And that's not just in regards to protecting athletes from being molested. If you don't know, there was this gymnastics trainer named Larry Nasser who was able to molest hundreds. Like, I'm not saying that as an exaggeration, Uh, He was able to molest hundreds of athletes, women athletes, girl athletes that were gymnastics because he was in the favor of high ups at USA Gymnastics and the university or Michigan State. Yeah, not University of Michigan, Michigan State. And there had been whistleblowers and he was just allowed to continue carrying on, carrying on. And it's been uh, what I would call a real mess. And so as a result, USAG has had to do a complete overhaul of their corporate body, of their trainers, of their coaches, and they are supposedly slowly trying to change the culture of the sport. And a big part of that is around eating and eating disorders and how prevalent eating disorders are in gymnastics. And any sport that focuses on weight is going to have people in it with a lot of eating disorders And wrestling is not excluded from that. Wrestling actually produces a lot of male athletes with eating disorders. And it's really worrying to me that Macy has decided that her 10-year-old needs to cut his weight. I find it to be actually disgusting. I will use the word disgusting. I find it really scary. I find it really inappropriate. And I also kind of find it cheating in a way. Uh, They want to lower Bentley's weight class because he was getting his ass kicked in the higher weight class, but like just gain more weight and get better. I think that it should be against the rules for um, a 10 year old to drop a weight class. I don't think a 10 year old should be allowed to drop a weight class. I was under the impression that they were doing that, that they were changing weight classes so that you couldn't drop, like they were changing the way and younger wrestlers uh, leagues that they couldn't drop weight classes mid league so that they wouldn't be uh, cutting weight and starving themselves. The fact is Benley is an extremely fit little 10-year-old, and the idea that he was eating 1,000 calories a day is really, really concerning. So let me get into Macy and her episode right after a quick break. 
Oh, and I just want to include in this conversation that clearly I'm not a wrestling fan. I don't know a lot about wrestling. I'm not a wrestling expert, but I don't really think that matters. I've seen a lot of comments online that it's like, People outside the wrestling world, they just don't understand. They don't understand it unless they're in the wrestling world. And to that I say, shut the fuck up. I like I, <laughs> I don't need to be in the wrestling world to understand that a 10-year-old who plays 100 sports a year should not be on a 1,000-calorie diet and should not be um, encouraged not to cheat on his diet and shouldn't be thinking about calories at all. I'm sorry, it's crazy to be having a 10-year-old think about calories at all. It's crazy. And I really, it has nothing to do with like if you're in the wrestling world. And this is something that I really want to talk about because I think we get away with a lot in society, in sports cultures, because we accept that this is the norm. And this is what I mean. So much shit happened in gymnastics for so many years and is still happening because everybody is told that it's the norm and that this is like, uh, this is what this is normal and this is how it is and this is how it is and the idea that we shouldn't question behavior that is absolutely unhealthy because it's the norm in the sport actually just means that this is a sport with a toxic culture <laughs> right like there's so many things this could be said about football and the concussions gymnastics and the abuse and the diets wrestling and the diets um i'm sure it could be said about a lot of other sports the idea that we should just not question things because it's the norm of the culture of the sport really just means that the culture of the sport is toxic and that we should be moving away from it. I want to read some of the tweets that Macy was liking in her her official statement about what happened this week. <laughs> so she said, hold on, I need to find it. In, the, in all of her clickbaits, which by the way, Macy absolutely did not say anything about the protests or George Floyd. But I want to read Macy's official statement. In reference to tonight's episode, I have never and will never convince Bentley to cut. Wait, after wrestling his first two tournaments in the 75-pound class, weighing in at 72, he came to me and said he wanted to wrestle at 70. I told him that's fine, but you will not cut weight. I will lay out a healthy scheduled diet for you. You can eat salads, grilled chicken, veggies, good carbs instead of pizza, Dorito, and candy bars. Through the season, he decided he didn't like him. I told him that's okay. You can go back to your usual and wrestle at 75, which is what he did. Okay. Um. First of all, it's like exactly opposite of what she said on this show. She said the word cut. Wait, she said cut. <laughs> Second of all, I'm sorry, but it's cheating. I like, I understand. Okay. It's not cheating like in typical cheating like he's not breaking the rules but in my opinion a 10 year old cutting weight to fight smaller kids is cheating it is I'm sorry and wrestling leagues should label it as such okay so she says that okay I mean the statement it's kind of to me it's like bullshit but whatever so these are the things that she retweeted if you've never been around wrestling you won't get it I grew up with my brother wrestling and my dad coaching in my entire life you were doing things right Mm, okay Uh, I don't know why, I don't know enough about wrestling to comment on practice time or weight class, but I do know season after season, the pair of you live a kid-focused life, the best intentions, and I think everyone should sit down. Okay, here's the thing. If we sat down, you wouldn't have a fucking show. It really bothers me. (laughs) It really, really bothers me. Um, Okay, this person says, and Macy, like, 
retweeted it with a little like praise emoji. The only time keeping weight is highly important in wrestling is once you go into districts, regionals, and state. The weight you enter districts in, you have to stay in all the way through state or you can't wrestle. You can change weight classes and meets prior to district. Okay, but like what I that I like why would she retweet that and like with the praise emoji emoji that doesn't mean anything. Um Macy says, I appreciate your input. My brother was a collegiate wrestler, so I grew up around the sport and have a bit of knowledge in the sport and healthy weight maintenance. Um, Except, like, you're making your 10-year-old cut. Okay, another person that Macy retweeted says, her son asked to be in a lower weight class, so she's giving him healthy options to eat instead of junk. A healthy diet? How is that bad? Um, It's bad because there's no middle ground. First of all, 10-year-olds that wrestle should not be eating 1,000 calories a day. That's such a low diet. A recommended diet for a 10-year-old is like 2,000 calories, especially an active 10-year-old. And second of all, it's the way that she talked about it with the cheating and the secrecy and like telling him that he's going to feel like shit and just being an asshole about it. She also retweeted, The wrestling world is something that unless you're a part of, you will never understand. On the outside looking in, it appears horrible, but it's not. I have a major fucking issue with this. I have a major fucking issue with this. This is what's called toxic toxic sports culture. The idea that people outside of it don't get it is not right. That is an incorrect statement. The idea is that you're, like the reality is that when you're in it, you start to normalize unhealthy and toxic behaviors and you get used to those. So you believe that it's okay. And like I said earlier, just because things are normal in the sport does not mean that they're healthy or okay. Another one she retweeted, you owe nobody an explanation. My son has wrestled and I get it. As a parent, when your child expresses a goal to you, you do anything in your power to achieve it. It's important for kids to set goal and achieve them. I agree. You're a great mom from what I see. Once again, that is such utterly bullshit. No, it's not important to cut. Like if Bentley's goal was to make it to States that year, his goal should be to gain more weight or like to, to get better at wrestling so that he can compete better with the kids that are in his weight class. The goal should not be to cut so that he can wrestle thinner and smaller kids so that he can do better. Helping your child achieve goals in unhealthy ways is not... This idea that like if you're a parent and you do anything for your kid, you're an amazing parent, I don't buy it. Okay, somebody else. My husband is a wrestling coach. Cutting one weight class is not a lot, especially when it's only two pounds less than his normal weight. You are teaching him healthy habits rather than a lot of kids who just starve themselves and have no energy. Way to teach him the proper way. Uh, First of all, we heard him say that his normal weight was like closer to 73, 74. So I don't understand what people are talking about with this two pounds. Second of all, kids should be continuously gaining weight, not losing weight, especially when there's Bentley's age. And like if he was supposed to be wrestling in the 70 weight class, he would weigh under 70 pounds naturally. Sorry. That's just a fact. And Macy like saying that she, you know, she wouldn't, she would never cut weight, even though like she literally says she's cut it. They're helping him cut weight. Is that, um, like it just, it just goes against everything that we saw. And it's really frustrating. And for her to release that statement and then RT retweet, sorry, not RT retweet all of this shit about how she's totally in the right and how all of us idiots just don't understand because we don't wrestle is very frustrating. So this episode starts out with Macy tells us that Bentley was struggling a lot last year and wrestling has been a good outlet for him and they're having a private lesson. Now, can we talk about this private lesson and the fact that 
So Macy has that like garage thing that I've talked about behind her house, like this finished garage. It's like not really a garage. It's like a, a big workshop, essentially. And they have a wrestling mat down in there. And Macy hires him a private lesson, which like fine. Taylor's standing off to the side looking so serious. He's standing and his arms are crossed and he's observing every movement. And like whatever. Your parents are involved. That's good. I I guess I just don't understand having parents that are like this obsessed with your achievements. It's not something that makes a lot of sense to me. Although I will say growing up, I have one of my best friends um, was very serious about softball and ended up on a D1 scholarship for it. And her parents were kind of like this. So I guess this is just the type of parent you need to be a D1 athlete. And that's not something I can relate to. But Macy is standing like, or Taylor's standing with his arms crossed to the side, looking very serious. And Macy and her friend are sitting and drinking because God forbid Macy goes one minute without drinking. I'm sorry, but the amount that Macy is drinking is a lot. And I don't see why we need to like not talk about that. And Macy is critiquing the private coach that she hired. Did everybody else notice this? She is watching every move and being like, no, you need to tell him to do this. You need to tell him to do this. And I'm like, okay, so why did you hire someone? <laughs> if you know everything, if you know best, why don't you just give him the private lesson, Macy? This is very much like a gross parent sports culture look for me. I think that it's amazing when you are a parent and you're encouraging. And I'm not denying that if you have a child that is serious about sports, it takes a lot, a lot of time and commitment from the parent to have a kid on a traveling team, to have a kid on a serious team that requires a ton of practice. It takes a lot of sacrifice for a parent. And I do think it's great when parents can make that sacrifice for their children. As I've shared here before, I was asked to join the gymnastics team when I was six and my mom told me no because she had a job. It was too busy to take me to practice four times a week, (laughs) which she feels sad about when I bring it up because it is kind of sad, but you know, it's life, whatever. Looking back, it's like, that's crazy to expect a six-year-old to go to practice four times a week, (laughs) but that's what you have to do to be in gymnastics. (laughs) Hence what I'm saying, toxic sports culture. So I don't know. It just like the seriousness level of it all felt very weird for a 10 year old is what I'm saying. And you can leave comments and be like, you just don't get it because you didn't play sports when you were a kid, which is not true. I absolutely played sports through high school. Well, through like 10th grade, I played sports. I loved sports. I loved field hockey and soccer and softball. Like I liked sports a lot. I just was never like very serious with sports. So I do understand that I'm not coming from this as somebody that is very serious about sports and grew up in a childhood that was very serious about sports. But I did have friends whose parents were like too serious about it and it made it miserable for them. And I worry that that's what's going to be happening with Bentley. And I've said this before. I think Bentley is in too much shit when he's 10 years old. He's on like multiple traveling teams. Like pick one and really concentrate on that. The multiple traveling teams are traveling every weekend for sports. It just doesn't seem, it, it seems like there's no balance in his life is what I'm saying. So after the practice, Bentley says that he's like dizzy and really hungry. And Macy's like, well, you know what you can eat. And she's like, you want a salad? She goes, you better eat more because you have a two hour practice tonight. And this is what I mean by balance. So he just had, I'm assuming like an hour long private practice. He's fucking exhausted. And then Macy, then he's going to a two hour practice that night. Like that's a lot for a 10 year old. A lot. I guess he's 11 now. That's a lot for an 11-year-old to have three hours of practice a day. To have two-a-day practices as an 11-year-old is, 
it's a lot. It's a lot. That's all I can say. It's a lot. And so Macy's like, do you want a salad? And Bentley's like, no, I want chicken. And this is when it starts to be like, ding, ding, ding. This is bad. This is bad. Macy goes, what? She goes, chicken? Have you lost your mind? And I'm like, I wonder if when he says he wants chicken, she thinks he means fried chicken. Because like, what? first of all, on what planet would it be make more sense for a child athlete to have salad over chicken and wouldn't you be putting chicken in his salad this kid needs protein he needs energy he needs carbs (laughs) and uh so macy's like if you lost your mind and he's like no grilled chicken i can't imagine at 11 years old being hyper aware enough of my food and calories to be like mommy may i please have a grilled chicken and steamed vegetables so that i Keep up with my uh, calorie tracking today. Like, it's just not, it's not a healthy mindset. So he, I, now Macy said that he was 74.5 and now he's on a very good, strict, good, healthy calorie diet. I really, I rewound it twice because I was trying to hear what she said. She was drunk and slurring her words, but I really thought she said he was 74.5 pounds and they got him down. I was like, but now she's saying he was 72 and then Mimi Jen said he was 73. So I'm a little confused at what exactly his starting weight was, but whatever it was, like he just, he shouldn't be losing weight. He should not be losing weight. She specifically says he's eating, or Bentley says he's eating 1000 calories and Macy says it's two cut weight. She is the person that uses the phrase two cut weight. So the idea that she would then get on Twitter and be like, I never told him to cut weight is such a crock of shit. Uh, Macy also says that as long as he drinks a ton of water and uses the bathroom every day and pees that all out, he'll be fine on his weight loss. (laughs) What? What is this bitch talking about? So then we see Bentley at the Edwards and Macy's like gives in the voiceover. She's like, I hope Bentley sticks to his diet when he goes to the Edwards house. It's just like the way she's talking about it. It just is so it's really it's very upsetting to me. Um, So he's at the Edwards house and he's talking to Ryan about his weight class and Ryan is confused. And you know what? Ryan's right. Ryan has always been right about how involved in sports Bentley is. He's always said that Bentley's too involved and that he doesn't have enough time to just relax and be a kid. I also think that, okay, so I've seen a lot of people online like mad that Bentley, or excuse me, that Mackenzie and Ryan are like speaking negatively about this on the show and that they have opinions on this. But my thing is, is just because Ryan's a drug addict and a bad dad does not mean that like Macy is always right. The idea that Macy is always right and Ryan is always wrong when it comes to parenting or just their opinions on Bentley is very silly. Like that, that doesn't make logical sense. Macy is not going to be right a hundred percent of the time because she's not a perfect person because nobody's perfect. And Ryan is not going to be a hundred percent wrong because he's a drug addict and a bad dad because people are complex. And just because like Ryan has an opinion on something doesn't mean that it's wrong automatically. I would also say that I've seen some things like, well, Ryan shouldn't give his opinion because he's not like Bentley. He is not actually Bentley's dad. Taylor's Bentley's dad, which 
Okay. But if Macy doesn't want Ryan to have an opinion on anything, then she needs to go and pursue Ryan getting his rights terminated and having uh, Taylor adopt Bentley. And Ryan never seen Bentley again. Because as long as Ryan sees Bentley, which I am made to believe via the show is semi-regularly, maybe not every weekend or every other weekend, but once a month, twice a month. And the idea that like he would have no opinions on Bentley's life, once again, it's just silly. It's this whole idea that, like, you can only, you know, there's only, it's just too black and white for me. The idea that Ryan will always be wrong and she never have an opinion and Macy will always be right and her opinion will always be the right one. It's just, it's not how life works. So, Bentley's explaining how he wrestles at 75 now and this is where Jen says, yeah, but he's really 73 pounds. Which, to me, if the weight class is for people that are between 70 and 75 and you're at 73, maybe this is where I do need a wrestling expert because that seems to be, like, pretty on target with the weight class. I'm Right? Isn't that what it is? That 75 would be people who wrestle at between 70 and 75 pounds. Once you're 75 pounds, you wrestle between 75 and 80. And what Bentley was trying to do was cut to 70 so that he could wrestle kids that were 65 to 70 and if you're at 73 you are right smack in that weight class and that's where you should be uh this next line that Bentley says is really upsetting to me really problematic and it kind of just got skipped well it didn't get skipped Ryan and Mac were like what and I wonder how Macy is talking about this because Bentley admiringly talks about a kid he said there was one kid who cut 11 pounds and now he gets to wrestle at 60. He doesn't say it in like a, like just as like a fact. He says it like he's admiring the kid and thinks that that kid made a good decision, which fair enough because Bentley's 11 and 11 year olds don't have concepts of what he- what's healthy and not healthy really. But the fact that like this is something that is happening in his league is pretty concerning to me. The fact that There are kids in his league that are dropping 11 pounds, 11 pounds for a healthy 11-year-old or however old this other kid was to lose is a significant amount of weight. That is a lot of weight. And the fact that that is allowed in his league is very upsetting and distressing to me. And this is when Mackenzie's like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Mackenzie's like, I don't, how can you get stronger if you're cutting weight? Which is absolutely true when bodybuilders do it it's one thing but how can 11 year old gain strength if they're losing weight like when an 11 year old gains weight in a healthy way like it's all strength that they're gaining and a bentley is a healthy weight so weight that bentley is gaining is just fuel and strength and so she's right when she's like how can you get more strong if you're losing weight and bentley obviously doesn't really have an answer to this because he's 11 and Ryan's like, well, I thought wrestling was like about technique and you need, I think what he's saying is like, you shouldn't need to fight smaller kids. You should just have better technique and then you'll be able to wrestle the kids that are your size. And Ryan says that he needs to start gaining weight. And Ryan is right. He says, you're going to stunt your growth. And then when you want to grow, you're not going to be able to because you're fucking yourself up right now. I mean, obviously he doesn't say it like that, but I agree with Ryan. And I also, am okay, so I'm really curious about the mentality that Mackenzie had, or Mackenzie, that Macy has with um, winning everything and everything must be a winner. And that winning, I think, 
I think Macy and Taylor live in a you-must-win house, and that Bentley cares more about winning than about getting better, getting stronger, uh, his future body, his health. I do believe that winning takes on. I do believe that to be an unhealthy mentality. So we get a scene of Ryan and Mackenzie at their house, and Mac is asking if Ryan wishes he had more of a say in Bentley's life, and this is kind of when I roll my eyes, because it's like, Ryan doesn't have a say in Bentley's life because Ryan chose not to have a say in Bentley's life. You know, like, Ryan can give his opinions all he wants. Like I said, if Ma- if Macy doesn't want Ryan to have an opinion, then she, then she should, you know, put a stop to Ryan seeing Bentley. But the idea that Ryan should have a say in Bentley's life is a little silly because Ryan is not an active parent by choice. Uh, but Ryan says that he needs to stop cutting and they just want him to enjoy his childhood and be healthy. And I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I like, I completely agree with that. I think they're right. So we're back at Macy's house and Macy is talking to Bentley about his diet. And she's like, did you cheat? Did you cheat? Did you cheat? What did you eat today? And this is what I mean by there. I don't really care if you want to sit here and tell me that like your child is, that you're doing this in the healthy way. The fact that she's using phrases like cheating. Okay. Because the idea, (laughs) are we going to get into diet culture right now in which I know I'm absolutely a part of, and I say all this shit too, and I'm part of the problem. But the idea that an 11, a healthy 11 year old can have food that is a cheat is so twisted and fucked up. The fact that they're putting food into good and bad categories is fucked up. The fact that we're encouraging like a certain type of eating in a way that demonizes other food is fucked up. The idea that like you can only either eat like all healthy or eat like fucking only unhealthy is fucked up. The idea of quizzing an 11-year-old over the type of food that they're eating is really, really fucked up to me. So, and this whole, ooh, this scene just, like, gives me, ugh, ugh, gives me the bad goosebumps. So, Bentley says that he had a muffin that morning, and she goes, and, and, what else, what else? Like, she's, like, badgering him. And he's, like, I had a glass of chocolate milk. And she goes, go away. I was, like, what? And she's mad. Like, she, they're not like, haha, Bentley. Okay, we'll have to try again tomorrow. Maybe this isn't the best idea. Um, she's pissed. She's like, go away. And she's like, go away. I guess what she's telling him is to go away himself. So she's like, show you what the fuck you did. Or show you what the fuck it did when you ate that. Basically being like, you go face the consequences of your eating. That's another thing. She's putting extreme consequences on his food. She's also withholding affection right now because he didn't eat the way that she wanted him to. And she can say all day, this was Bentley's idea, this was Bentley's idea. Well, guess what? 11-year-olds are fucking stupid. And the whole fucking point of being a parent is that you don't let 11-year-olds do whatever the fuck they want. (laughs) Right? I love when parents are like, well, this is what they wanted. And it's like, okay, but they're a child. (laughs) Children don't get to control their lives because they're stupid. (laughs) That's the whole point of being a kid and why parents are needed. Because kids can't raise themselves because they have a lot of stupid ideas because they're babies. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Taylor is sitting there silently I noticed during this he doesn't have a word to say and Macy's going on and she's like you put those two pounds back on that you lost healthily which to me once again is proving that Bentley was 74 pounds and not 70 uh that he was 
because then he weighs in at, he says that he's 72 pounds. I don't know. I can't get lost on the numbers of this. I'm very confused by what Bentley's starting weight was, what Bentley's finishing weight was, and what the weight class that he was trying to wrestle in was. I'm a little confused by all this, but I think that's honestly like the least important details of this. The fact is that we're concentrating on numbers, which not great. Also, like, fuck wrestling, honestly. Fuck any sport that, incur- that like, requires children to weigh in. I understand that they need to do it for fairness, but maybe little kids shouldn't wrestle then. Maybe kids that can't, like, maybe if 10-year-old brains can't handle, like, weight classes without wanting to cut weight, then maybe wrestling is just should be a sport that isn't done until high school. You know? Would that hurt anybody if wrestling wasn't done until high school and that kids did other sports until then? I I don't know. I don't know. Just putting it out there. So, um, as I said, Taylor is sitting there, standing there silently and Macy like whips around and she's like, you're going to be mad when he says it's 75 and he's still getting his ass kicked, which, okay. Once again, to me, this just proves that it's a winning above all else mentality. Also, like, why would Taylor be mad? This is okay. I guess I'm just not a competitive person. Like by nature, I'm really I'm a person that really isn't competitive. So I don't understand this mentality. And I will own up to that, that this is just something that I think I don't understand. But why would Taylor, an adult, be mad if Bentley gets his ass kicked if he's trying? Like, I can understand if you are a parent that's putting a lot of time and energy into making sure that your kid can play a sport and do well, which, as I said, it does take a lot of commitment from the parent. And then your kid, let's say they just, like, to be good at their sport, they need to, like, kick a kick the soccer ball into the net in your backyard, like, 100 times a day. And they should just spend, like, 30 minutes a day working on their thing. And then they don't do it. And then you're kind of mad that it's like, well, why am I wasting all this time if you're not serious about this? Okay, I guess I can understand that. Or like if you're paying, if you have a kid that plays an instrument and you're paying for very expensive lessons and they're not practicing, but they're like, no, no, I really want to play this, but they're not practicing their instrument. I can understand being like, well, why am I paying for this if you're not going to practice? You need to practice. Like you need to do your end of the deal, right? Like that I can understand. A parent being annoyed that their child is not... um, taking their responsibilities seriously. But as long as your kid is trying their best, why would you be mad about them losing? Like, okay, so they lost. Like, you can be sad for them, disappointed for them. Like, oh man, that sucks. You tried so hard and you didn't get it. Like, and you commiserate with them in their disappointment. But the phrasing I found weird, being mad about it. And when she's like, he'll get his ass kicked. It's like, okay, so what? (laughs) So what? Kids need to lose too. That's another thing. Kids need to lose. They need to lose. They need to know how to lose. And they need to lose fairly. So Bentley goes and weighs himself and he's like, I'm 72 on the dot. And Macy's like, that's a lie. And he's like, no, come look. And she's like, no. Once again, I don't know what his weight class is. I don't know what he was trying to weigh in. I guess 72 was the goal. I don't know. Maybe the weight classes are like 70 to 72, then 73 to 75. I don't really know. But Bentley's like, I did it. And Macy's like, he comes back and she's like, I know cheating's fun and it makes you feel good, but now it's going to be hard because you put this all back on. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) What is not healthy but Macy lets us know that Bentley did weigh in correctly 
and he made it to the state tournament. He did really good. He got third place, and he's going to the state tournament. Woohoo! <laughs> so Macy and Taylor have this conversation, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, Macy is wearing the weirdest outfit and style. Like she's in like a wrap dress. I don't know where she was going. <laughs> and they Taylor says that in the last year he did Bentley did flag football. Cross country, golf, baseball, and wrestling. That's five sports. That's a lot. To me, that seems like too many sports, especially if he's doing multiple. I think it'd be one thing if they were all rec leagues and just like fun things he did, but that's a lot to be doing like at a serious travel level. And Taylor's like, other people think he does too much, but I did a lot of sports as a kid, so I think this is really good. And Macy's like, well, what else is he going to do? All the other kids are glued to their Xbox or their iPad. And she's like, our toddlers don't even, aren't even glued to their iPads. Okay, here's the thing. I Like, yeah, kids being active is good. But the idea that, like, the only two options are your kid is 24-7 in sports or he's just some fat ass that plays Xbox, Xbox all day is a really unhealthy mentality. I think there are plenty of kids uh, in 2020 that are active, play one or two sports, have a couple activities, a normal amount of activities, and also aren't glued to the TV and iPads. I know, like I said, my, you know, my niece is seven and she does like a couple activities. They don't even own tablets and the kids don't use tablets and they watch like a, not that much TV every day. Uh, really like not that much TV every day. And they're always active. They're playing, they're running around, they're just being normal kids And the idea that, like, you have to jam-pack your kid's schedule or they're going to be glued to their Xbox, to me, seems like a false dichotomy. It's this idea that it's, like, all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And I I don't believe that to be true. Apparently, Bentley started the year going own foreign wrestling, and he wrote a goal list that he wanted to go to states, and he was able to do it. But then Macy says, well, you know, he started cutting weight, and he was feisty, and we had to get past that. A.K.A. your child was starving and angry over it. (laughs) Like that feisty is not a good word to use for that. And Macy's like mentally he had to make his body fight and perform and do things he didn't think he could do. I don't know, guys. I just found this whole storyline to be so problematic. It's so toxic. Fuck Macy for this. Honestly, fuck her then for getting on Twitter and pretending like she didn't do this. And that this was healthy. I don't care if he did it by eating healthy foods. I do not believe restricting a child that's playing five competitive sports, restricting their diet makes any sense at all. The fact is that if a normal kid is recommended to eat 2,000 calories a day, Bentley probably should be eating closer to 2,500 or 3,000 because he's play- he's so active. Bentley should probably be eating way more than a normal kid. And just because like... And once again, it's like this extremist attitude that Bentley's either eating chips and donuts or he's like only eating grilled chicken and steamed veggies. Like just feed your kids a balanced meal. Uh, And if you think that I'm an ignorant idiot because I don't know anything about wrestling, fair enough. (laughs) That's your opinion and this is mine. (laughs) Oh, God. The world is burning. Okay, let's talk about Cheyenne who, as I said, I am... Really happy to see all of Cheyenne's social media posts this week. She has called out the cast members on not speaking up. She's like, I am the only black person on an all-white show, and I'm the only person talking about this. Their silence is deafening. I think that she 
has been really incredible. I really care about Cheyenne. I really like Cheyenne a lot. As I've said multiple times, I think Cheyenne and her family are really great. I really enjoy them. Even if I don't think they're necessarily great on this show, I think I've always been a fan of Cheyenne and I appreciate the things that Cheyenne said this week. So I just want to give a major shout out to Cheyenne. So this week it is the gender reveal and Corey and Cheyenne are talking about it and Corey says something about how he loves Taylor and Cheyenne's like, do you say I love you to Taylor? And he's like, yeah, I say I love you now. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Now, I do remember at the reunion last year when uh, Corey like refused to say that he loved Taylor and Taylor was like, no, it's totally fine that he won't say I love you. It's so fine. I know he loves me. I know he loves me. And I remember thinking that was quite pathetic and sad And I'm not going to be, like, the fact that she's acting surprised that Corey tells his pregnant girlfriend that he loves her um, says a lot about Corey's character. And it's not, it doesn't say something good, in my opinion. (laughs) So, uh, Cheyenne and her sister Kyle are talking about the gender reveal. And I guess Cheyenne's event company is, like, planning it. And she's like... Oh, I can't believe I'm planning a gender reveal for my baby daddy's new girlfriend. (laughs) And they make this comment that she's like, well, because I have to bring Ryder there. So I'm going to have to be there on time. And Kyle's like, oh, we're going to have to be there on time. I think the context is lost in this a little bit. I think that this was an editing choice by MTV. And Cheyenne did say that she didn't like the way that this episode was edited, which is never my favorite complaint. But watching this, I really, I kind of, think I understood what was actually happening. So I think what they were saying when they're like, oh, we'll have to be on time is that if they're bringing Ryder, they're going to have to be there early. And these are not like Cheyenne and Kyle's friends. And so they would rather just like get there right before the gender reveal, do the gender reveal, smile, say hi to everyone and then leave, which is a totally normal thing. Like how many parties or events have you been to that you kind of You get there like 20 to 30 minutes late. You kind of dip out shortly after you get there because you're just saying hi because it's a polite thing to do and you want to make an appearance. But like you don't necessarily know these people and you don't want to be there for the whole thing. To me, that's like very much a real and natural feeling. And I got I think that's what they were saying. I'm assuming what they're that's what they were saying. And what they meant was like, if we have Ryder, that means we have to get there at the beginning of this party and hang out with all these people that aren't our people. What I didn't understand is, if that's the case, why don't you just have Ryder spend the night at Corey's? And then, like, I'm sure it was her day or her week or whatever, but, like, if Corey's family's... That's another thing. Like, Corey's whole family was in town for this. Like, why wasn't Ryder just over at Corey's house? Like, if Corey's family is in town, wouldn't you think they would, like, uh, adjust it so that Ryder would be with him anyway? (laughs) That was, I was a little confused by that. I was like, well, why doesn't, why, even if she's not spending the night there, why doesn't uh, Cheyenne just drop Ryder off in the morning <laughs> and then they can bring her to the gender reveal? Or I don't, because I didn't really understand where that party was. It looked like it was in someone's backyard, but I'm sure not in Taylor and uh, Corey's backyard because they live in apartments. So like, why couldn't she just bring Ryder to Corey's house that morning and then they could have Ryder and then Cheyenne and Kyle can just dip in when they want to dip in. I was a little confused by this. I think we were missing something. But I am I think that that's actually the context of this whole thing. And MTV kind of edited it to make it look, Cheyenne and uh, Kyle look shitty and like shady, being like, ugh, we're going to have to be there on time. Like, we can never be anywhere on time. Like, I don't 
think that's what was actually happening here. So at the gender reveal, uh, we see Shy calling Corey to tell him that she's on her way. And Corey's like, you're so late. And like, once again, I don't really understand why Ryder wasn't just already there with Corey. This seems set up to me by MTV. I don't know. I'm a little like this whole I was watching this thing and I was like, this seems like it was easily fixable. <laughs> it seems like there was another solution for this. Uh, Cheyenne's dad arrives before Cheyenne arrives. <laughs> I also was wondering if Cheyenne's mom and her stepdad were there. I found it interesting that just Cheyenne's dad was there, at least that we saw. Because I don't think, at least they didn't show us on TV that Cheyenne's uh, mom and stepdad were there. By the way, when Cheyenne and Kyle came, they looked so good. <laughs> Can we discuss this? Cheyenne's hair looked really cute. She had like this, she had that bob going that I really like. She's in like a black leather jacket. Kyle's in like this chic uh, black turtleneck. I know myself, I never feel chicer than when I'm in a black turtleneck. <laughs> they both looked really good. I would say that they dressed a little um, New York for a baby shower in LA or gender reveal in LA. <laughs> Everyone was in much brighter colors and they looked more like I would dress here on the East Coast. <laughs> but they still looked good. So they get there and Corey's like, you were so late. Thanks for coming late as hell. And like I said, none of this makes a ton of sense to me. I think this could have been avoided. I think it's stupid that she just wasn't there. But it also just like doesn't seem like a huge deal. And I saw people online being like, oh my God, I can't believe they were so late. And I... I, I didn't really get it. I'll be honest. I didn't really get it. Uh, so then this part really made me like full body cringe. So Taylor, Corey, and Cheyenne take a picture and they're standing like Corey, Taylor in the middle, and Cheyenne. And they both have their hand on Cheyenne's stomach or Taylor's stomach. And Cheyenne says, you look like our surrogate. <laughs> I have my head in my hands right now. Because it, like, it was so rude. Like, this was not a polite joke to make. I, was Cheyenne joking? I'm sure she was joking. Of course she's joking. I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt that she's joking. But when she's like, you look like my surrogate, you look like our surrogate, is just, it's, it's not the joke to make at the gender reveal. Taylor looked uncomfortable. She laughs, but then she like, she's like, ha and then she, like, makes a face like she's almost about to cry. I just think it wasn't right. And I also think that it just kind of shows. I think I've been saying this, that I think that Corey and Cheyenne are too involved with one another's lives. You guys know I fucking love a blended family. I love a blended family. And I think it's great that they get along well. But at the same time, like, did Cheyenne need to be at the gender reveal? Like, no. And if she was like uncomfortable and it felt awkward and she was like making weird jokes, like then she just shouldn't have been there and it would have been fine. Like Cheyenne's family didn't need to be at Corey and Taylor's gender reveal. And that would have been okay. You know, like it would have been okay if they weren't there. And I think that they're forcing um, this relationship to be a little too close for comfort. I think that they would have much better a much better relationship if they step back a little. And I've been saying this in season one that they came, season one of the show. Season one, I've been saying this since, since eight years before Corey and Cheyenne met. No, I've been saying this since they came on the show that I think a lot of their relationship is based on like 
how they're feeling about each other at the current moment. And I think that that can lead to volatile situations. And I think that they should back away from this like close friendship that they're trying to have. Because I think that Cheyenne obviously was having some jealousy feelings at this gender reveal. And I think that's fine and natural. And she should be allowed to feel jealous and uncomfortable. And she shouldn't have to then go and like put on this show about how we're like the perfect co-parents and the perfect blended family. Like, it would have been perfectly fine for her to just drop Ryder off there and to send a gift. Like, that would have been perfectly fine. But I think Corey and Cheyenne are a little obsessed with this idea that they're, like, this perfect co-parenting family. And kind of like Tyler is with Kate. How he's, like, he's so into the idea that he's, like, this perfect teen mom dad. Does that make sense? And so I think he's, like, just so into this idea that he is, he's, like, the perfect... They love to be the perfect teen mom co-parents. And that means that we're going to be at the gender reveal together so that we can post these pictures on Instagram. And I just think they need to back up a little bit. I think it'd be better for everyone to back up. I think that Cheyenne was clearly very uncomfortable with this situation. So she shouldn't have had to be in it. And I'm not blaming Corey for that. I'm blaming Corey and Cheyenne. I think that they need to reevaluate their their relationship and how they relate to one another and how they are in each other's lives to such an extent. In that comment that Cheyenne made, I don't think she meant to dig at Taylor, but I think it was a shitty thing to say. I think saying that you look like our surrogate um, is a funny joke. Like, that's funny. Like, that, (laughs) it's funny. Like, we can all laugh at it. But I just think it's, like, funny mean. And I also think that, like, Taylor is very pregnant. Like, I would imagine Taylor's a little insecure. Like, she's having Corey's second baby she's just a girlfriend etc etc and I think that I think it would be for the best if Cheyenne didn't make jokes like that basically (laughs) so they find out they're having a girl and my question is is that confetti they use in those poppers biodegradable because that's a shitload of trash that comes out of those did you guys see how much confetti there was (laughs) I have questions is what I'm saying so after the gender reveal, Corey and Taylor are talking at their house. And this is this is also where I think they're too involved. So Corey and Taylor are talking. And Taylor or Corey's like, you know, we're about to move in together. And I'm like, wow, these two have rushed. They have they don't even live together and she's about to have a baby. And things are changing. And I just want to make sure Cheyenne is comfortable. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? And this like made Corey look like such an asshole for multiple reasons. He's like, you know, Cheyenne always wanted that white picket fence and that marriage and that family. And I think basically he's saying that Cheyenne is jealous of Corey and Taylor, which I think she, I think she probably is to an extent. And I think it's just like a natural jealousy, but I don't think she's, I think she's jealous of the idea that, or I don't know if jealous is the right word. I think she's, she, in, in Cheyenne's perfect world, her and Corey would probably be married and having more babies together so that Ryder would have full siblings and they would have a traditional nuclear family. And I think that, like, Corey isn't the right person for her to have that with. So it's, like, a, a little hard to deal with, I guess, would be the way to say it. But I think jealous is over overstating it a little bit. And I also think Corey's lost his fucking mind if he thinks that he and Taylor have the situation that Cheyenne wants because Cheyenne has clearly said that she wants to get married and have like a traditional family and Corey and Taylor got pregnant very shortly into dating 
<laughs> and like he didn't even say I love you before she got pregnant and they're just moving in together like a month before she gives birth to that baby so I like the fact that he's presenting his life as like the picket fence life that Cheyenne wants is a little silly to me and you can tell Taylor is like what the fuck are you talking about I think this is very obvious a for the cameras conversation which Corey does and I would imagine is very frustrating Corey specifically says everything I have now is what Cheyenne wanted at one point and that's where I'm like is it <laughs> I don't think so I don't I think also I think what Cheyenne's probably also dealing with is the the residual resentment that Corey was not there for her during her pregnancy now remember Corey did not know that he was the father during her pregnancy so he did not have the option to be there but I'm sure she like sees this gender reveal which Corey's so into and is a little sad that like her and Corey never did this together now that's kind of by Cheyenne's choice because she you know, didn't let him know. I shouldn't know he was the father, whatever. Um, but I would imagine it's just like a little, there's multiple feelings going on, but I don't think that Cheyenne is jealous of Taylor and Corey specific, their specific life. I think it's a bunch of shit that's going on. So for Corey to say that is like kind of weird. And to say to Taylor, I would be pissed if this was Taylor. Taylor goes, I think Cheyenne can take care of herself. <laughs> or I think Cheyenne's fine. <laughs> If I was Taylor, I'd be like, yo, shut the fuck up. Like, I like, like, I Taylor likes Cheyenne, but it, it's not Taylor's job to make sure that court, that Cheyenne feels comfortable. Like, Taylor is about to be a first-time mom. She's very pregnant. Her baby daddy was just gone for, like, two months or however long of her pregnancy. Like, she's trying to enjoy this time in her life, and the last person that she's probably thinking of is how to make Cheyenne feel comfortable. If Corey said that to me, I'd be like, She's fine. She'll figure it out. She's okay. So, so, so silly. Okay, let's go on to Kate and Tyler, who it's like, again, 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 again. Oh my God, how many times can we have this storyline? So it's Veda's first birthday and they're deciding if they're going to invite Butch or not. Basically, I guess they found out that Butch is back in Michigan, but they have not talked to him. And Tyler isn't sure if inviting him constitutes enabling him, which I think is a good and interesting question. And I do think it's good that Tyler is making progress. So he decided that he would call the rehab that Butch went to because he has established a relationship with them. You know, he'd been to family sessions. Amber went there. He seemed to have a good relationship with the counselors there and to call them and ask them what they think he should do. And I actually thought that was pretty Good. It was a pretty mature decision on Tyler's part. And he calls and the lady basically says like, yeah, inviting him is enabling him. Now, do I necessarily agree with this? I think in Butch's case, yes. Do I agree with this 100% of every time that if you have an addict in your life, that if you invite them places, you're enabling them? Um, I think that enabling is not that black and white. I think the term enabling, enabling is, um, kind of outdated in a lot of ways. I'm not a person that necessarily believes in cutting people off and tough love and like forcing your loved one to hit bottom. I, I just don't see it that way. And I don't think that because an addict is using that they necessarily have to be totally out of your life. 
Um, I, I just don't believe that. But I also think it's like a case-by-case basis. I think that everybody can make their own decisions. And I think Tyler, when explaining it later to his friends, explains it really well. That he feels that it would be for enabling Butch to come because it would be giving him another chance. It would be another chance for him to get his hopes up. And it would be another, his hopes as in Tyler's hopes up. It would give him anxiety. It would start the, like this cycle that they have of worrying about Butch, trying to get Butch sober, trying to like make sure Butch is making good decisions. Basically this merry-go-round that he's been on Butch with, Butch is in Tyler's like entire, probably for most of Tyler's life. He's been on this like cycle with Butch where he tries to get Butch sober, Butch doesn't get sober, then he forgives Butch and he tries to have Butch in his life and then his hopes are let down and you know, repeat ad nauseum. And I do think that Tyler recognizing that he needs to break that part of the cycle in order to be healthy himself is really good. I think it's really good that Tyler has recognized that he's in a place where he does not want to prioritize Butch over himself. And I think that's really good. And I'm proud of him. I think that the way he said it makes a lot of sense. He says, as soon as like you start keeping me up at night, as soon as you start giving me anxiety, as soon as like I'm worrying more about you than I am about me. That's when I'm enabling and I can no longer be part of that. And I thought that was great. And I was happy for Tyler and happy first birthday Veda. And that's really all that happens. You know, that's really it. Oh, also Kate says that they want to have one more baby and she doesn't care if it's a boy or a girl, but um, Tyler's getting a vasectomy afterwards. They're not going to keep trying for a boy no matter what. So that's good. That seems good to me. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Okay, should we talk about Mackenzie? Mackenzie McKee is in a dark place still. She's really struggling and her kids have missed, I guess, 10 school days. She says two weeks. And I think 10 school days is a pretty average, uh, like, allowance on how many days you're allowed to miss, which is 10 days. I remember at my school when they initiated that when I was in a senior, which is good that they didn't do that until I was a senior. Because I missed a lot of school. I was somebody that just like didn't like going to school. Surprise, surprise. And I would skip school and miss school. And it was a whole thing. And <laughs> I remember at the end of my senior year, um, I had English 8th period, but lunch 7th. And if you had lunch 7th period and study hall 8th period, you were, as a senior, you are allowed to leave after 6th period. And all of my friends had lunch 7th period in study hall eighth period so I would just leave with them (laughs) and I remember my English teacher sitting me down and being like you've missed 20 classes and I just looked at her I go well they're all excused I was like I've had a lot of doctor's appointments this year none of them were excused I would just leave school (laughs) to go smoke pot (laughs) um so Mackenzie is about to get in trouble at truancy court if her kids miss one more day of school or are late one more day. I didn't really understand what truancy court is, but I guess you go there and you pay a $250 fine, which seems like a lot of money to me. Uh, I don't really understand what truancy court is or how effective it is. Here's the thing. Do I think the kids missing two weeks of school in light of their parents having major divorce drama and their grandmother dying is a big deal? Not really. Like, I... I mean, that's not, it's not abuse, it's not neglect as far as I'm concerned in this specific case. Do I think Mackenzie McKee is a person who values education and has made an effort to make sure her children are on school in time for before her mom got sick? 
Probably not. I would be very, like, it's hard for me to judge this without kind of knowing how Mackenzie was before her mom got very sick and knowing how Mackenzie will be in the future because I kind of feel like Mackenzie just doesn't value education that much and that's a shame. I'm not, you know, like, it's just, it's hard to judge. I think she's in a really tough place and it's sad that Josh is such a fucking loser because her friend, she goes to talk with a friend and her friend is like, well, can't Josh help? And she's like, well, when Josh helps, he gets the kids to school three hours late instead of 30 minutes late. I'm like, oh my God. Also, like your kids regularly being 30 minutes late to school is a lot. That's, you know, to have them disrupt the class like that by getting to school 30 minutes late all the time is not good. But I definitely just feel like, you know, it's just hard for me to judge her in this situation. Mackenzie's so pathetic. Honestly, is what it is. She just is very pathetic. Her life is very pathetic and very sad. And so I just really, I just hope that she can move past this. She's still doing that cheerleading job and she's late a lot for that. And she seems pissed or they seem pissed. And it just seems like it's all too much. It feels like she's in way over her head and I really worry for her and I really hope that, you know, she can get a better support system than she has and really step it up. Uh, the episode ends with her getting the kids to school in time. This is very Leah. <laughs> Remember when this is Leah's thing and we would get the timestamps? <laughs> oh, Leah. Leah, Leah, Leah. Oh, by the way, my dear friend Jess did read Leah's book and she is ready to come on and talk about it. I think it's going to be in net two weeks my schedule is just crazy lately but yeah Leah's just or Mackenzie just it's just sad like it's sad to watch her struggle so much I think she's totally out of control but my thing is I think this is a lot deeper than just her mom dying and her being sad and her uh, issues with Josh it kind of seems like her kids have always been a little out of control and her parenting has always been very, very lax based on what I've seen on social media for many years with her. And I hope that she's able to correct that shit because her kids are still very young and she owes it to them. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about Amber. I guess I didn't realize, I feel like each week I'm realizing more and more how little English Dimitri speaks. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I thought at first that he was fluent, right? Like, I thought he, f <laughs> I thought that <laughs> Dimitri fluently understood English and just did not speak it very well. And I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> and I figured they've been texting in English. Like, there are a lot of people that are, like, really good at reading and writing English, but aren't, and understanding English, but aren't necessarily so good at speaking English. Like, there are a lot of different ways to understand languages that are not your native languages, right? Where some people are really good at understanding it, but aren't so good at speaking it. Let's say, for example, the show Jane the Virgin, how they always speak to the grandmother in English, but she responds in Spanish. And I know that's, like, not an uncommon thing. And I thought that was, that was like the Dimitri situation. But this episode where Amber's brother Bubby comes to visit, I guess I just didn't realize how, how little he understood English. Um, which once again leads me to question the, uh, how 
well a lie detector can work when the person taking the lie detector test does not speak the language or understand the language in which the lie detector test is being taken. Wouldn't that mess up? Wouldn't that fuck it up? <laughs> Guys, I like it's not funny that he doesn't like obviously I'm not like making fun of him for not being able to speak English. Like why would he need to speak English? He lives in Belgium. He speaks French. And what languages do they speak in Belgium? I'm going to look that up. Hold on. So Belgium has three official languages, which is Dutch, French, and German. So I mean, it's possible that don't they speak Flemish in Belgium as well? Yeah, here it says um, a lot of people in Belgium speak Flemish. That's what I thought. Do they speak Flemish in the Netherlands? Where do they speak Flemish? I don't know. I sound like such a fucking idiot. I have no culture. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dimitri spoke more than one language. He probably speaks French and maybe he speaks Dutch as well. Um, so I'm not like saying that Dimitri isn't smart for not being able to speak English. That's not, that's not like the joke. The joke is like the fact that he's now living with Amber and that they cannot communicate whatsoever. <laughs> like, what are they doing? What are they doing? This is, this is, this is so crazy to me. What is, what do him and Amber do all day? Okay, so Bubby and Gary get lunch before uh, Bubby meets Dimitri, and Gary says that Amber can be unhinged at times. Now, if you guys don't know, Bubby, Sean, spends a lot of his time defending Amber online and saying essentially that she did almost nothing wrong and that she was totally set up and that Andrew's the real perpetrator and that Amber is just a victim of Andrew and that, yeah, maybe she threw a sandal, but, like, that's it. And people, he's like, all she did was throw a sandal. And people are like, okay, so how did that machete mark get in the door? And he's like, you don't know if it was from that day or not. And it's like, okay, so how did that machete mark get in the door? <laughs> like, okay, so it wasn't from that day, but like, what day was it from? <laughs> Bubby is Amber's like number one enabler. All he does is justify her behavior. And so Gary and Andrew, or Gary and... Bubby are talking about it and basically Sean says that Gary's the only guy that Amber's ever been with that loved her for her because they met before the show which like I guess is fair enough I still don't know if I put Andrew in this camp that he like sought Amber out because she was on TV but maybe maybe he did and Bubby's like well I can't get excited over Dimitri because they met on Instagram because he reached out to her because she's Amber from Team Mom fair enough so Bubby and Dimitri speak, and this is, like, really when I realize that he does not speak English at all and doesn't really understand English either. <laughs> this is when we find out that Dimitri works as a postman, in Bel a mailman in Belgium, and he's been doing it for 18 years, which is, like, I mean, that's a good career. And he says that he wants to live here, and Amber says that they have great communication. <laughs> I'm sorry, what the fuck is this bitch talking about? <laughs> they go to dinner, Sean, Gary, Andrew, or Andrew, Sean, Gary, Amber, and Dimitri. And Gary's being really, really nice to Dimitri. Gary's being very nice to Dimitri. And Sean is like being an asshole. And they have this really weird exchange. And Sean's like, American women, they're very tough. I don't know how it is in Belgium, but they're crazy here. And I'm like, okay, rude. Like, no, we're not. Like, go fuck yourself, Sean. 
Then he says, hopefully you never find out what the Portwood Way is. You end up in a pine box. What? I'm sorry. What? Come again? He's saying that Amber is going to kill Dimitri? (laughs) Is that what he's saying? Sean, who has defended Amber and said that she is the victim and basically did very little wrong and that everything that's happened to her is everybody else's fault, is now saying the Portwood way is to put somebody in a pine box. What? Huh? Say what? That is when I was like, what the fuck? Sean is such a loser. I'm sorry. The way he speaks, he's such a loser. He thinks he's like so big and bad and like... Why is he, Dimitri doesn't even fucking understand what he's saying. You can tell, Dimitri's sitting there with like a totally blank look on his face and like has no idea what this exchange is. And Gary's like a little uncomfortable and Amber's like, she's like, what happened? Why did you just say that? (laughs) Oh my God. They're talking about when Dimitri has to go back, if they'll miss each other. And he's like, I will miss Amber. I will miss her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Amber's like, well, after the lie detector test, I'm really giving more of myself to him. And I'm like, okay, what what does that mean? You let this stranger come and stay in your house for three months. What more do you have left to give? What weren't you giving him before? And after dinner, Sean and Amber have a conversation. And Amber says, we love each other. We're doing so good on communicating. And Sean basically is just like, I am not giving this my seal of approval. I'm concerned about his motives, which it's Sean speaks a lot of sense when he is like, none of these guys make any sense for you and you shouldn't be dating these guys. But at the same time, like what, what are like, why does he even play this game? Why does he encourage Amber? It's just also silly. It's also silly. And Dimitri does not understand English and I would really love to get some behind the scenes footage like some security cameras footage of Amber and Dimitri having their great communication (laughs) anyway that's it for this week thank you guys for listening thank you for being such a great audience once again no justice no peace that's what I'm going to call this episode No, no justice no peace I really do believe it I hope you all if you can donate to worthwhile anti-racist causes. Thank you all so much for listening. I love you guys and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.